just think that's rock and roll, but that's what it is. This is the big time, girlie. This is rock and roll. You gotta give it all you got or forget it. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna have a party. They've done it again. I'm going underground. Get this. This is Steve. Andrew. And you are listening to Suburban Underground on Bedford 105.1, your alternative mixtape show. And we have another special show for you this week. We've been doing special shows lately, and we have John Lamoureux again from The Hustle. We're happy to have John join us. What we did was we each picked songs that had to do with a side project of an artist, not their main day job, but separate from their day job. John, first of all, we want to plug your show, The Hustle. It's a great podcast. The Hustle Pod at gmail.com is your email address. And on Twitter, you are at The Hustle Pod. And on Facebook, right. The Hustle Podcast, right? Yes. Thanks, guys. Good to be back with you. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks. So, we actually are going to start off with one of your songs, John. So, why don't you give a little description of your first song, which is Philip Oakley and Giorgio Moroder. Sure. First of all, I got to correct you. It's Oakey. Oakley is what I always <laughs> want to say too, but it's Oakey, which sounds kind of goofy, but that's the name. Thank you. So here it is. At the height of Human League fandom or whatever in the early 80s, Phil and the super producer Giorgio Moroder got together and worked on a collaboration. You could technically probably call it a Phil solo album, I think of it as more of just a, a side project because it wasn't necessarily Phil leaving the Human League or being disgruntled with the Human League. It was just him having an opportunity to work with his very favorite producer. And you may remember there was a movie in the early 80s called Electric Dreams. And this album has a song off of it called Together in Electric Dreams, which was the theme of that movie. And if you ever see these guys in concert, they play this song all the time. It's a fixture in their set. So that song is on this one-off album that Phil and Giorgio did together. I picked a different song called Goodbye Bad Times. I think the song is really catchy. I really love the descending notes and the chorus. Um, I'm a sucker for Phil's voice and anything Human League related. So I wanted to go with this one because I really love this track a lot. And just for some context, for those of you who might be listening on the radio who don't know, Giorgio Moroder was a mega, or still is, a, a mega Italian producer. He's considered the father of disco. He was Donna Summer's big producer in the 70s and 80s. He's not a household name, but he had a stellar career. So if you were a musician and you got the chance to work with him and you valued his production quality, that's what I think counts this as a collaboration rather than, rather than a um, solo album. He's somebody that was highly, highly sought. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that would be, uh, I thought this one kind of fit the bill. So I wanted to play Goodbye Bad Times. Goodbye, bad times. Good 
And that was Goodbye Bad Times by Philip Oki and Giorgio Moroder from their album, Philip Oki and Giorgio Moroder from 1985. I liked it. I prefer Phil Oki's Human League stuff a little bit more, but I did like it. And I do have an appreciation for Giorgio Moroder for the work he's done with Blondie and Donna Summer and David Bowie. So I came into this thinking of it as it was going to be a Phil Oki song and not really quite grasping that it was a collaboration there and to me it sounded like something that you would listen to when you were uh, working out with leg warmers on and little hand weights <laughs> for all the girls in the gym i i just did not like the song it sounded like a um early to mid 80s flash dance wannabe that's just me i i get why people would like it it was so so dated to me the you voice and say the production. that like it's a bad thing <laughs> Um, it just didn't, it didn't work Roder for me. produced the Flashdance soundtrack, so that's there you go. why. <laughs> Secondly, do you like those early Human League songs, like Don't You Want Me and um, Fascination? I, I do like those hits. I never was a big Human League fan. I like the hits. They were just so over-the-top synth that um, the production was just, it didn't really quite win Well, then me that's over. your problem right now. <laughs> yeah. crazy. I was more of a rock guy. I mean, I did like a lot of the, I, I did like a lot of the dance stuff. I liked a lot of the hip hop stuff at the time, but, sure. um, but that kind of stuff just was not, it was just too, I don't know, too British poppy, big hair for me. All you had to say was little hand weights. <laughs> that kind of, that says it all. Wasn't it that, is, didn't that, that was exactly the image that popped into my head, you know? <laughs> Like pastel colored spandex. Yeah. yeah. Sweatbands around yes, the wrist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sleeveless t shirts. I got it. Yeah. So this next song is going to be a total change in direction. I'll go ahead and tee this up. This is my pick. Since we're doing side projects, I picked the current king of side project bands. To me, there's not a better side project band. This is the Dead Weather. It's not just Jack White's side project. It's Allison Mossharts. She's the lead singer of The Kills and the lead singer of the, this band, and she's amazing. It's got uh, members of the Queens of the Stone Age and the Raconteurs and the Greenhorns. It's a, f- a fabulous... Supergroup. Supergroup. Yeah. It's, it, to me, it's a supergroup. And I thought they would only have one album, and they wound up having three, and they're all really good. And this one is a song I really like off of 2009's Whorehound album. It's Treat Me Like Your Mother.
That was Treat Me Like Your Mother from The Dead Weather. I actually love that song. I want to pose a question. If it's possible to worship somebody and actually kind of be over them at the same time, that's how I feel about Jack White. I recognize that he's a national treasure. I recognize that he's a gift from the heavens. He's out there furthering the cause, doing the good work. We're lucky to have Jack White in our lives. At this stage, so much of his output sort of sounds the same to me that I'm less enthusiastic about it as the years go on. Having said that, when he's good, he's very good. And this is a song that's an example of him being very good. Yep. I can't argue with too much there, although I I haven't gotten sick of him yet. I still enjoy Jack White and all his incarnations. I do like this song. I love Alison Mosshart's voice. And the thing I like about her in this band is that her voice is not unlike Jack White's. It almost sounds like a female version of Jack White. Yeah, I, I like this. I like the rhythm, the really fun, dominating, driving rhythm of this song and her voice basically saying, from a woman's point of view, with this very sort of masculine type of song, I just thought the contrast there was really interesting and fun and just constantly entertaining throughout the whole song. I will say, Drew, this might be the last time you get any good feedback from me <laughs> uh, on this show. Shots fired. <laughs> Just get bring, bring it on. <laughs> gonna get nasty in here. We're gonna move on to my choice. It's uh, "Torchlight" by Ellen Foley from her second album, which is called "Spirit of St. Louis." To back up a little bit, Ellen Foley's first album was produced by Mick Ronson and Ian Hunter, and it was more of a, a bluesy rock kind of thing. This one is produced by Mick Jones and The Clash. The whole band backed her up on this album, and it was done around the same time as Sandinista. In fact, right after Sandinista, all the same musicians and engineers are on it. And Mick Jones, who was dating Ellen Foley at the time, really took charge of this project. And it's pretty much like a Clash album with Ellen Foley singing on it, but it's got some really good songs. And this one, Torchlight, Mick Jones actually sings on. Ellen Foley from 1981.
Torchlight by Ellen Foley and The Clash from 1981. Well, when you have the greatest band of all time backing you up, you can't go wrong. I loved it. I like how they, towards the end of the song, Mick Jones is just an incredibly gifted songwriter. He takes all these musical influences and blends them together. And I love how sort of near the end of the song, they he blended in some almost like Shangri-La's kind of Motown beats, right? Mm-hmm. As they tail off, um, just a really neat, fun song. And I love his voice. And she was great. Her her voice was fantastic as well. Good song. Uh, you picked the probably the best song you could have off of this album. Um, <laughs> this album is a mess. And I like it. <laughs> I I don't to anyone who's listening. I had Ellen Foley mm-hmm. on my show, and we discussed this album. First of all, Ellen Foley rose to fame singing the female part on Meatloaf's "Paradise by the Dashboard Light," and that got her her own solo deal. And this album. I worship The Clash, but this was them in their very, at their weirdest, their weirdest experimental phase. She does not love this album either, partly because it reminds her of a, of a relationship that was not a good one, but secondly, because she recognizes that this was them just being so odd and experimental. So the whole album itself is actually kind of a lot of work to listen to, but you picked about the best song you could have, and it's really interesting if you care about The Clash. Yep. I'm going to hand it over to you for your track, which is Oil for the Lamps of China. Okay, so you guys played OMD on a recent show, and sitting at home listening, I just wanted to bless your hearts. And then afterwards, I think it was you, Drew, and those (laughs) other political guys who got on there and proceeded to kind of slam my good buddies, OMD. It was mostly them. OMD's growing on me, thanks to Steve's influence. Okay, well, thank you, Steve, for showing Drew the way because <laughs> OMD are wonderful. So they, in the late 80s, they start to fracture. You know, one of those albums or CDs that's in most people's collections is that Greatest Hits album they put out in the late 80s with the black and white cover, their two faces. Yep. So they started to break up right after that time. And the guy with the dark hair, Andy, the curly-haired guy that most people know because he sang If You Leave – He maintains the name OMD and he continues on and he puts out a few more albums, I think three, and they're just so-so. And the other guy, Paul Humphreys, he goes off and starts a new band called The Listening Pool and he takes the other guys from OMD with him. The album itself is pretty good. If you like that sound, it's not bad. It's a little more uh, organic. There's some more organic instrumentation on there than you may have seen in a in an OMD album that was very, you know, synthesized with electronics and everything. Um, this isn't necessarily my favorite song on that album, but it was the one that was released as a single. I think it's solid. Oil for the Lamps of China. Oil for the Lamps of China. Oil for the Lamps of China. So as the 
place you call home Somewhere to call your own You need some time to be alone Somewhere to light up your life Maybe you'll hold on tight Gotta hope it turns out right You better stop sitting back And open up your eyes When you gonna stop and realize This is your prize That was The Listening Pool with Oil for the Lamps of China from 1994. I like the song. I don't like it as much as OMD's stuff from earlier. I think it is probably better than the Andy McCluskey version of OMD. I liked the bridge on this song. <laughs> oh, I, I think if you were carrying the oil for the lamps and you spilled it and it burned most of the song, you'd be probably just fine i just didn't Uh, didn't care for it i when i saw that it was 1994 i was actually shocked it sounded so much earlier to me than that uh just it's dated the vocals are dated the production is way way i mean it was dated at the time it's not that it's dated now it was way out of date when they made this record and um i just i don't care for that kind of style although the songwriting was pretty good I did like the bridge quite a bit, and I think if you if you rearrange the song and re-recorded it, it could be a really strong pop song. But that that production just kills me. I think it's funny that you guys, you especially Drew, have an issue with songs sounding dated when <laughs> you host an alternative rock show, and the height of alternative rock was in the '80s. So of course, almost everything is going to be dated. That's when new wave and synthesizers were at their peak. Yeah. And yet you just, you know, you can't stomach it. It's, it's the just production. Too much for little, it's the, little Drew to handle. It's the production. You know, I, there's so much great rock, alternative rock that was made in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that holds up today. You could play it on the radio today. We had this discussion on our last show. We did the Political Beats crossover about the synthesizers. And I'm not one to automatically be against synthesizers because I did grow up in that era and experience them and they don't turn me off the way they turn off people who n- never experienced them new 
um, at the time, but mm-hmm. this just didn't. Yeah. I think there is something to be said, like you said something about how um, if you grew up in that time, your ears are used to things like minimalist synthesizer sure. songs, which I I love. I just think it's great. But somebody like uh, Jeff Blair, who was born in 1980, he hears that and he it sounds like a um, a toy keyboard. To well, him. if you if you grew up on grunge, and that was your period of musical formation, and you hear an 80s synthesizer synthesizer song, you just it sounds like what we would have thought. You know, when we heard. Um, girl bands from the 50s, you know. Which I like now. Yeah, <laughs> which I like now, yeah. But, you, you know, that just not having that context um, of having heard it when you were young makes a difference. And again, I, I there's a lot of synth music I like. This just doesn't do it for me. So, uh, Drew, you have a second appearance of Mick Jones. Yes. So uh, we didn't plan to have two Clash member songs on here. So one of my crossover bands was Carbon Silicon. And I like this crossover band because this was Mick Jones of The Clash with Tony James of Generation X and Six Six Sputnik. But Tony James was also in London SS with Terry Chimes and Mick Jones. They were, you had two Clash members in this band and Tony James, it was their first band. It was this club band in London and it was a proto-punk band. And I thought it was just neat that Mick Jones... He's ending his career with the same bandmate that he started his career with mm. when they were amateurs and they were playing the club circuit before he met Joe Strummer and before they formed The Clash. And this song, I think, is a really pretty song. It is stripped down, throwback to old-fashioned ballad songwriting, and I like the way they pull it off. It's the last thing they ever did together. It's big surprise. Great tomorrow's lying wait With much to celebrate And paradise lost Will be found The good times always come around Whoa, I'm alive, we're alive Survived, we survived As the sun will always rise Cause along comes another one And life's a big surprise Maybe today is one of those days To be astounded and amazed Seeing that laughter in your face Restores my faith in the human race Whoa, I'm alive, we're alive Oh, I survived, we've survived As the sun will always rise Cause along comes another one And life's a big surprise Cloudy skies 
An eagle soars into the blue An angel turns and calls, hey you As the sun will always rise Cause along comes another one And life's a big surprise That was Corbin Silicon with Big Surprise from 2013. Barf. <laughs> that was all just such a lovely little prelude to that stupid song you just played, Drew. <laughs> with all the how cute and nice that these two get to come back together at the end of their careers. And isn't that nice? You should have your music choosing license. <laughs> That's a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that song at all? Not the songwriting? Or is this the pretty melody there? No. No. Didn't do it no. for uh, I'm not a wimp. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just that Mick Jones just gets me. He mm-hmm. he takes it up a level just by him being on it for me. And I was okay with the song. I don't go to Carbon Silicon that often. I only have a few songs from them anyway, but they don't offend me. They don't bother me. I was okay with the song. I just think it's also kind of neat that Mick Jones starts his career in a band called London SS in the 1970s when, you know, in Britain and the punk scene in London, there was all this, there were Nazi references, there was mm. Joy Division, there was all kinds of weird sort of fascist stuff gone on from non-fascist guys, from guys who considered themselves anti-fascist. Um, they were trying to provoke. And so you get his career starting with a band called London SS and ending with one called Carbon Silicon about the technology and how it's changed the music industry. I just think it's a neat bookend to his career. That little cute story almost makes me cry as much as that song <laughs> made me cry. All right, we're going to move on to a side project of Bernard Sumner of New Order and other projects and Johnny Marr of the Smiths. The band was called Electronic, and I don't think they've done anything in quite some time. But this is from their 1996 album, Raise the Pressure, and the song is How Long. And on this song and a few others, Carl Bartos of Kraftwerk played keyboards. He also co-wrote this song and a few others. I love most of what Electronic does. I don't really care for the songs with Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys, just because I don't like his nasally voice. But Neil Tennant was not on this particular album, and I like their guitar-oriented stuff. I like their dance-oriented stuff. I just like almost everything that they do. Whatever you do, 
And that was How Long from Electronic from 1996. I liked it. Um, I like Bernard Sumner. I like I like Johnny Marr. To me, this sounded a little bit a little bit Joy Division-esque, just a, a little hints of Joy Division in there, but also a bit of Pet Shop Boys. And I think the blend was really good. I, I enjoyed it. Again, it's probably a little off technology-wise today, but I thought it was a really good song. Uh, I love this song and I love these guys and this album. Um, I think they put out three albums and all three of them are really solid. I have all of them and I may have picked a different song than this, but I love it. I lived in England when their first album came out. And at the time, I remember the descriptor of their band being, you know, here's these two guys from these two major, you know, legendary bands, but they, they come together because they want to do something different. And then the critic in typical British criticism fashion said and they ended up sounding just like headshot <laughs> boys with new synthesizers <laughs> yeah pretty much kind of what it is but that is a good thing um because it sounds great this album is a really all three of their albums are great so good choice well thank you and now i'll hand it over to you john to uh introduce ivy and the song is quick painless and easy yeah, so this one, you could argue that the members of Ivy don't see this band as a side project. But Adam Schlesinger, who at the time, I guess, I mean, I would think of Fountains of Wayne as being his primary gig. He is he has a lot of things going on. That Tinted Windows super group that he was a part of about, what, 15 years ago? That's an incredible album, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I around the same that. time as Fountains of Wayne, in the late 90s, he started another band that was, it was a lot dreamier. You know, Fountains of Wayne is sort of straightforward power pop. Ivy is very dreamy. It has a French female lead singer named Dominique Durand. And uh, the sound is a lot more kind of languid, sort of like Luna, if you remember Luna. In fact, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly, Dean Wareham from Luna plays guitar on some songs on this album, which is called Apartment Life. And Tom Verlaine from Television, I think, also appears on this album. This is a very dreamy, languid 
beautiful little song called Quick, Painless, and Easy. I love this track. And I'm a, su- I'm a sucker for any alternative rock band fronted by a chick. They all rock. <laughs> a French one. Especially a French one. <laughs> Painless and Easy from Ivy, from their Apartment Life album from 1997. I like this song. I think if I were to pick a song from them for this show, I would probably would have picked from the same album, The Best Thing, because I really like that song a lot. And this sounds nothing like what Adam Schlesinger does with Fountains of Wayne. And uh, I think it's really good. Thank God it doesn't sound anything like Fountains of Wayne. I love this song. This is a great, great pop song. It's dreamy, like John said. It's got all the components of just a beautiful, perfect pop song. The rhythm, the melody, the singer is fantastic. Very sensual, but very understated. I love the understated nature of this song. It just grabs you immediately and just drifts you along like you're floating down a stream. It's fantastic. If you were here, John, I'd give you a high five. Good choice. Yes, I win. (laughs) 
Drew, tell us about Together by She and Him. So I like She and Him. They're the Zoe Deschamel and uh, M. Ward, just a duo. So Zoe Deschamel, the actress, always thought she was going to be a singer and actress. She wound up being just an actress and for the most part um, didn't wind up doing musicals and that sort of thing. Decided to concentrate on one career. But when she met uh, Mr. Ward, he loved her stuff. They decided to just put some albums together and it became a side project for her. And that's all it is. They just produce these albums. And I think their songwriting is beautiful. She writes the songs and um, he arranges and and, uh, he plays a lot of instruments on it. But these are primarily her compositions. This one together is from their third album, Volume 3. I think it's a really pretty song. I love her singing. It's She and Him. Together by She and Him from their album Volume 3 from 2013. Once again, Drew goes with just a totally gutless pick. Um, now, I should say, I think Zoe has an amazing voice, and I find this music just perfectly pleasant. 
It's very vanilla to me. It doesn't uh, move me. It's not the kind of song that I would ever hit repeat on in the car. I don't dislike it. It just doesn't make much of an impression on me. And I like to really feel my music. And I just don't feel this one quite enough. But it, it is solid. It's good. There's nothing really wrong with it. It just doesn't move me. So I think your mistake was not hitting repeat. Because the more you listen to it, the more you like it. At least that happened with me. The more I listened to it, the better I liked it. Yeah, I think that's the case for me with She and Him. I, I listened to their first album and I liked it a lot. And the more I listened to it, the more I like it. And I think I'm probably going to venture to say I'm the only jazz fan on the show. So, yeah, I, yeah well, there you go. That's your problem. This <laughs> the, the songwriting harkens back to um, the 1940s. I mean, it's just a beautiful, melodic pop standard from back in the day when you had actually really gifted songwriters writing. I think she's very talented as a writer, as a structure of songs and she pulls it off beautifully in this one if i really want to feel something i don't pull out my 1940s albums to like really get my my socks off you know what i mean well you should my rocks off (laughs) i I put on noel gallagher or something like that something that's going to make me feel something you know i mean you put this on uh it's a totally different way of listening to music i mean i listened primarily to rock and roll for exactly the reason john talked about steve and i have this back and forth about melody and I I like rhythm for rock and roll and I don't generally turn to it for pretty melodies I generally turn to jazz for that or to classical but I like some of the bands that maintain those traditions and this is one of them let's move on to something from the 90s I picked Sebado they are an offshoot of Dinosaur Jr. Lou Barlow started the band in 1988 in Northampton Massachusetts an area that I'm very familiar with and he basically wanted to get away from Jay Mascus because Mascus is very overbearing and controlling and wasn't giving Lou Barlow the space to explore his own creativity. So he created this band, Sebado, and this song is called Flame from 1999, and I think it's really good. Oh. 
That was Sebado with Flame from their album called The Sebado from 1999. Uh, I like this track a lot. And I was really shocked that I did because I've always had a fear of investigating Sebado too deeply because my impression from what I've heard is that a lot of it can be very lo-fi, scuzzy, kind of tuneless stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I feel about a lot of Dinosaur Jr. I, I admire some of it, but I'm not the world's biggest fan. But this track was really impressive. I liked it a lot. Makes me think maybe I need to reevaluate my feelings on Sebado. I liked it a lot. I don't like Dinosaur Jr., but I really like the song. This sounded more like soul coughing to me than anybody else. Just a strong, solid song, start to finish. Grabbed me right away. Good bass line, good, good rhythm. I love his voice. I like the way he sang it. Really is what makes the song. I mean, you could, you could take the same melody and totally botch it, but they did a fantastic job. FM 105.1 is WBNHLP, Bedford, Public Safety Radio, and so much more. This is Bedford 105.1. All right, well, that brings us to our last song of the show, and it's a bonus track. John gets an extra. It's Max Q. The song is Ghost of the Year. You want to tell us about this one, John? Yeah, so I, I love NXS. I think they're one of the most underrated underappreciated rock or pop bands of all time. And at the height of their fame, post-Kick, just before the follow-up album, which was a little bit of a letdown, X comes out in 1990, Michael Hutchins goes off with a guy that he knew from... So before Michael rose to fame in, in excess, he was in a movie called Dogs in Space. He played a musician in a band called Dogs in Space. And there was another musician in that movie named Ollie Olson. And the two of them kind of paired up in the late 80s to form this project called Max Q. I bought the CD when it came out. Half of it is very weird, experimental nonsense. And half of it is really tuneful. Drew, you mentioned earlier about liking rhythm. This song has basically an incessant rhythm. My dad was a symphony conductor, and I could hear him now. He never liked the kind of music that I liked because he found a lot of rock music redundant. And that's probably a fair description of this song. But to me, it's got a driving rhythm that doesn't let up. I like it a lot.
That was Ghost of the Year from Max Q from their self-titled album from 1989. I liked it a lot. I, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't the top of my pick, but I enjoyed it. I like the rhythm. Um, pretty solid song. I I think I like the radio hit that they did a little bit better, which was called Way of the World, I think. That was a really good song. I like this one, too. Um, not as much as their hit song, but uh, this is good. And I don't know if I would like the whole album if it's as experimental as you say, John, but I'm definitely curious now to hear some of the other songs. Yeah, and I would agree with John that this doesn't hold up to the NXS albums in their heyday, but they are a vastly underrated band, especially when they were in their early years doing real rock and roll. Very, very good band. But I'd also like to point out that I'm the only one on the show who picked any songs from this century. So, guys, maybe next time, get up to speed. You didn't pick good songs. <laughs> so you like the dead weather. So, John, why don't you give a quick blurb about your podcast? You don't have to give away anything about what's coming up, because I know you like to keep those secret. But why don't you uh, sell yourself here? Yeah. So we're coming up on three years. Uh, we put out a weekly podcast called The Hustle every Tuesday. And what I always tell people, and your listeners may have heard me say this before, we focus on the emotional, psychological, and financial impact of brief rock stardom. What is it like when you go from nothing to something, and then for a lot of these people, back down to nothing? Now, that's not always the case. I've been really lucky lately getting some bigger names. Not that the point is to get bigger names, because I like hearing the little guy's story, but for instance, we had John Oates on recently. Last week's guest was Steve Kilby of The Church, which I think is one of our very best episodes ever. I try to touch on all genres. 80s Alternative is my personal favorite, but I try to touch on all genres, all decades, just people I perceive that might have a really interesting story about those transitions in their life and how they feel about them now and how they pay their bills. Well, for Suburban Underground, you, as usual, you can find us at SU Bedford 1051 on Twitter and on Facebook, Suburban Underground Radio. Download our podcast, subscribe to it, subscribe to John's Hustle as well as ours and rate us and give us a review. And any of you guys who are coming over from John's podcast, uh, thank you for listening. And we really appreciate it. If you like the show, you want to download some of our other shows, we don't normally talk. We just play music. Check it out. If you like it, please give us a rating. Give us some stars on iTunes and let us know what you think. We appreciate the feedback. <laughs>